welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman. I'm a practicing physician and I'm CMIO, and I'm the host of CMIO Podcast. Today, covering the news for the week of December 23rd. First, just want to say a thank you to all of those of you who have been listening since we launched in July. Uh, as we approach the end of the year, I'm very thankful to those who have just contributed to the, the library, the content that we're building for the next generation of CMIOs and physician informaticists. So just thank you to all those of you who have been guests and as well as listeners. So let's start with the stories of the week. We're going to start with the story comes out of healthcare dive, but it's written about all over the place, and that's the ONC data reveal safety issues in some EHRs. And here are the highlights of that story. This came out December 19th. The Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT found a patient safety issue in 3.7% of all certified EHRs, or a total of 275 systems from nine vendors, according to researchers who analyzed surveillance data and published their findings in JAMA. The types of potential patient safety issues included laboratory test results not importing into the EHR properly, oral liquid medication restricted to milliliter dosing, improperly recorded codes for vaccines, and decimal points being removed from medication dosage entries. From January 2016 to June, the ONC investigated 697 EHRs from 195 vendors. More than 90% of cases were initiated in response to reported problems while the remaining were selected randomly. Of those EHRs, just more than half had an issue that did not conform to certification standards, including 275 with a patient safety issue. For the JAMA study, researchers from Georgetown University School of Medicine and MedStar Health National Center for Human Factors in Healthcare analyzed ONC's surveillance data to find out the frequency and types of patient safety issues uncovered. The researchers were not able to find out whether the potential safety issues led to actual patients being harmed. So why is this important for CMIOs? Because those errors are out there. And I don't know if you've ever experienced them. I have, well, not to highlight any particular system or, or, or vendor. There was a team that came out to Epic at a UGM conference and presented on their discovery of 50,000 results that had never made it to the providers because of their results routing scheme. And if you think about how complicated the result routing schemes are, if you've never looked at yours, you, it's really something you should do. These were uh, patients who had been discharged and results were coming back after discharge. And how did those results then get back to the right provider? And sometimes they were sending it to an in-basket but that provider wasn't on Epic and they never checked their in-basket. So this concept of, well, we'll fax it to the provider, but fax numbers change. And if we're relying on facts, anytime you use the word fax in healthcare, you know you have the potential for patient safety issues arising. And that's just one example. And there's, there's tons of examples out there of how complicated our EHRs are and that sometimes their own IT systems, when we're doing build that we, we put something in there that affects something else downstream that we wouldn't have thought 
and creates a patient safety issue. Not to mention the problems our vendors have when they do upgrades and things that could create downstream issues. What I think is so unfortunate is the lack of communication. So there are these hundreds of errors that were discovered by the ONC, but how many of you have found errors, but you feel hesitant to announce what these errors are? Number one, because you don't want to get fired from your current institution. And number two, that your vendor doesn't really appreciate you going out there and saying, hey, we we found these errors in the EHR. But if you found it, I might very well benefit from that knowledge. And that sharing does not happen across the healthcare IT industry, as opposed to the airline industry or nuclear industries where they learn from each other's mistakes and perhaps can then prevent it. And there's more of that culture of bringing it out. I really believe, at least from what I've seen, is that our culture in healthcare IT is to hide issues, prevent lawsuits, and kind of just put our head in the sand and pretend it didn't happen. So a challenging environment to work in to really fix safety when you don't have that openness. Because I know you, my colleagues out there, have found things that I would benefit from, and I know I found things that you would definitely benefit from. And so my suggestion is look at results routing. That's my two cents. But it's definitely an area in healthcare IT that we could improve as we move forward. Next article. This one comes out of Jamie. It's training medical students and residents in the use of electronic health records, a systematic review of the literature. And this one came, this is in the January issue of Jamia. And I'll just read you a few lines here. Our objectives were to identify educational interventions designed to equip medical students or residents with knowledge or skills related to various uses of electronic health records, and then summarize and synthesize the results of these formal evaluations, and then compare these to the aims of these initiatives with the prescribed EHR-specific competencies for undergraduate and postgraduate medical education. So they looked through the literature, and they found 11 studies. And Seven studies involved medical students, three were in residence, and one involved both. All interventions used a practical component involving entering information into a simulated or prototypical EHR. None of the interventions involved extracting, aggregating, or visualizing clinical data for panels of patients or specific populations. And so their thoughts here is that this review revealed a few high-quality initiatives focused on training learners to engage with EHRs for both individual patient care and population health improvement. In comparing these interventions with the broad set of electronic record competencies expected of matriculating physicians, critical gaps in undergraduate and post-medical education remain. And that resonates. Think about, I mean, our job here as informaticists, we typically like to reduce variation and improve standardization so that there's higher quality. But think about our own training programs. How much variation is there between what you offer and what I offer, whether that's dependent upon the resources that you have access to or the pressures that are applied from operations saying, hey, we've got a, a gap. We need these patients to be seen. Give us a live body, put it in the seat, and we'll train them on the job. There's huge variability in our training programs. I think those that certainly extends to medical students and residents, but it applies, I think, across the board as we onboard new providers, how we provide ongoing education, we are not seeing 
standardized and really thorough training programs, except for in small pockets, which you do hear about from time to time with really deep uh, educational sessions. And I'll give a shout out to uh, my colleagues out in Colorado at Kaiser, who spent three days in an offsite hotel with their providers to do deep education around their EHR. You don't, you don't hear about most systems doing that. But I think the study is great because it does highlight that number one, there's not a lot of studies out there around what we're doing. So how can you say we're going to do best practice if we don't even know what the best practices are? And then number two is I think as CMIOs and provider informaticists, we do have an obligation to figure this out. We have to figure out what is the best way of educating providers. And obviously it's going to be different for different learners, but fine. What is the breadth of services that we need to be providing that is best practice and we can then take to our leadership and say, this is how it's done to get behind it because that's the standard. And I just call out that we, we are missing that. Next article. This one I got out of uh, histalk2.com and it's just a poll. And this poll is around what people, the, the respondents, there's 174 of them here, thought about information sharing that was going on in their office visits. So half of the poll respondents who had a provider visit in 2019 had to provide the same information to a different provider who didn't have access to it. So they're talking about, I just filled out this, uh, this questionnaire, and then I go see another provider and I have to fill out the exact same questionnaire, answer the same questions over and over. 9% found that information their provider shared contained errors, and 2% experienced clinical harm from a lack of data sharing. And uh, some of the commentary from, from some of the responders were that, uh, for instance, one uh, person here gave an epic MyChart download on a thumb drive to a new Allscripts using practice and was told that they can't use the electronic information. And then when he gave the doctor a hard copy printout of the same information, the doctor insisted on asking him questions off of his own EMR screen rather than looking at the paper even then entered only about half of the information. And so the commentary I have here is we suck. Yes, in healthcare, we all know this. We are horrible about repeating information, gathering and failing to share it. And even if we have it, we repeat it anyway. And I get some of that is just trust. And I know the information that I enter is going to be correct. So therefore I'm going to repeat it all. But I think this speaks to the problem that we are having a hard time synthesizing all the data that's out there. Either we don't have access to it, or when we do have access, that it's not being presented to us in a nice fashion that replicates what we need to see in our own EHR. And so it's not in discrete fields, or it's not captured in the way that I like it, or however. And so we force people to go through a lot of duplication. I also think we're relatively lousy at taking the data that we're getting from our own portal and getting it into our EHRs effectively. And I could tell you, I'll share that this is a problem I have in my own system where questionnaires are being filled out with, by patients, but the ability to pull that into the provider's note has not been widely educated out there. And so, yes, the, the providers will repeat the questions and they'll go to the next office and the patients will be asked the same questions again. And some of that's education on our part. As provider informaticists, we can do a better job there. 
some of it is making this information more obvious. And then some of it is re-looking at those questionnaires we're sending out and figuring out, are we capturing the right information? Because when you have send out a questionnaire, that's one of these general welcome to our practice questionnaires, and you're asking in a review of systems type session, uh, do you have dizziness? And the patient is answering, yes, I had dizziness 30 years ago. That may not be what you want, and that's not the patient's fault. That's our fault and how we're asking the questions. And if you're just taking these questionnaires from the vendor and just putting them out there, you're going to get that's garbage in, garbage out. So we've got an obligation on our part to do a better job at getting this data, collating it together, and then putting it into the EHR in a place where providers will find it useful because they're incredibly powerful tools. If you have an engaged patient that's willing to provide you with great information, yeah, we'd want it. It's just a matter of how we get that information. And this survey just highlights we do a bad job at it. All right, next. Uh, this story I really like. This one, the, the title here is New Software Targets ICU Delirium, December 20th, 2019, out of Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And to give you the summary here, Vanderbilt worked with Epic to figure out certain workflows that were going to be useful to prevent delirium. And then Epic has agreed to build these into their future updates so that this can be spread across the country. And I love that. Let's, what one system has learned, let's take that and spread it. So a project sponsored by the Society of Critical Care Medicine to improve patient outcomes in U.S. hospitals using a clinical protocol called the ICU Liberation Bundle, also known as ABCDEF. They're going to have to think of a new name for that thing. It's just how we can remember that. Anyway, uh, this protocol is the basis for the EPIC software update. The protocol includes well-calibrated pain management with prompt discontinuation of analgesics and sedatives, daily spontaneous awakening trials, daily spontaneous breathing trials, delirium assessments throughout the day, early mobility and exercise, and family engagement. This is a quote from... Speaking here. What this bundle does is stop people from just looking at one organ at a time. It takes the overall person and says, this is a whole human being, and we're going to pay attention to how their brain is working, and their liver, and their lung, and their kidney all at once. And we're going to wake them up, and we're going to get them out of bed. We're going to walk them. It makes us take a step back and help people avoid injury that might otherwise occur in intensive care. With Epic's next software release in February 2020, the ICU Liberation Bundle will become a standard part of the company's EHR system. In the meantime, it's available to Epic customers as an add-on. For more on ICU Delirium and how to prevent it, visit icudelirium.org. Love this article. And I'm not, I wasn't familiar with the ICU Delirium uh, Liberation Bundle there, so I'm going to go check that out and see what are we doing, speak with our ICU uh, intensivists and our critical care committee and say, hey, what do you guys know about this? And is this something that interests you? And should we, should we do it? Sounds like yes. So I encourage you to go ahead and take that step with your uh, critical care committee and see what they know or like about that. Looks like a good article. Last article. This one comes out of Health IT Analytics and the title is EHR data reveals racial disparities in emergency pain treatment written by Jessica Kent, December 20, 2019. Emergency medical responders were less likely to provide pain assessments for Asian, Black, and Hispanic patients than they were for white patients, indicating significant 
ethnic and racial disparities in this area of healthcare, according to a study published in the journal Medical Care. The team analyzed 25,732 health records from patients seeking emergency help for traumatic injuries in Oregon between 2015 and 2017. Researchers used records from dozens of EMS agencies, including most of the fire and ambulance organizations in the state. The team found the odds that EMS responders provided pain assessments were 21% lower for Hispanic patients and 31% lower for Asian patients. Additionally, the odds of receiving pain medication for traumatic injuries were also significantly lower for racial and ethnic minorities. The study was unable to examine the factors that contribute to inequalities in pain treatment, but researchers speculated that it could partly have to do with difficulties in providing care to people with limited English proficiency. Like most healthcare providers, EMS providers don't desire to provide inequitable healthcare, but often have never been exposed to evidence suggesting that disparities are taking place. And I think that's where our job comes in as informaticists, is to shine a light on these activities, because most people probably don't realize it, that it happens, but it does happen. And shining a light on it would be very effective in my mind for helping to to clarify what's going on. And I think it needs to be done on a continuous basis. I, I have a feeling if this is, we just shine the light on this once and then never come back to it, that these uh, issues will recur. If the problem is language, then well, we can get interpretation services pretty quickly these days. So how do we resolve that issue? Or what are the barriers? And then let's tackle it and let's reduce that variability because there's no good reason for that variability to be there. So that's my uh, two cents, my pitch to my provider uh, colleagues out there, my informaticists, to take a look at racial disparities that might be happening in your system and then seeing what you can do to shine the light on them. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. I hope you all have a great holiday uh, week or so here and look forward to the conclusion of the Dr. Erica Lee implementing EMR series that will finish off this Thursday. And we've got uh, some more great shows on tap for coming up in early uh, 2020. So that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode.